Lord Jesus, we thank you this morning that your name is above every name. In heaven, on the earth, and under the earth, Lord, this morning we stand fast and declare to principalities and powers that we recognize no other name other than the name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord, all authority, you said, has been given to me in heaven and on the earth. Therefore, Lord, we thank you as your ambassadors, as your witnesses of the resurrection. Lord, we thank you that we can appropriate that authority. We thank you, Lord, that we can go into a broken, lost, dark world and bring good news. Lord, dispense the blessing of your kingdom wherever we go. And Father, we thank you that we are seeing this, Lord, through the provisions of Jesus Cares, other provisions. But we recognize, Lord, that it is only but the beginning. We recognize, Lord, that it is only but a small thing, even though we see it as a big thing. Lord, we thank you that you look not at just the nation of Wales. You look at the whole world. And when seeing the whole world, you say that the glory of the Lord will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. Oh, Father, we thank you this morning. We thank you this morning that you see our lives not as they are, not as they were, but you see them completed and finished through your son, Jesus. Perfect, new, empowered, full, and glorious. Lord, we thank you this morning that, Lord, we will be everything that you've designed us to be in our time in this city in this nation. In Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, let's give him a shout and a clap and a cheer. And then you may be seated. Amen. Well, we're going to get right into it this morning. And um, just over the last few weeks, um, I've been just talking to you from Luke chapter 4. And we've just been thinking about how Jesus lived his life for others. Jesus was a person that always went out into life and saw people's needs, saw people's predicaments that they were in as an invitation, not as an interruption, not as an inconvenience, but he saw their needs as an invitation to bring his blessing, to bring his care, to bring his wholeness and love into And that's the wonderful thing about Jesus when we think about him and even when we reflect on how he has been involved in our lives. We have never ever been an interruption to his time. Isn't it wonderful to know that? That you've never been an interruption to Jesus. Your life, your needs, and there has been many needs in in your life like there has in my life. There's been many predicaments, many dark days, many ups and downs, many things that, that have come as a surprise. But when we've called to him, when we've relied on him, when we've gone to him, you've never interrupted him. You've never inconvenienced him. Your need and your life and my need and my life has always been an invitation for Jesus, an invitation so that he can dispense his care, his blessing, his love, his provision, his peace and his glory. That's wonderful. You know, you walk down through, through time and, and you walk down through life and many times what you experience is very different to what you encounter with Jesus 
For instance, you may have a, an issue and a problem that you share with somebody. And that issue and that problem and that circumstance that's besetting you as a person requires a huge amount of investment, requires a huge amount of time. And you share it and you, 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 you rely on others to help you. You rely on others to bring the aid that, that is needed. You rely on others to, to bring the investment and the care to get you through. And yet very often the care is very temporal. The investment is very limited. And before you know it, people have walked away. People have ignored you. People have seen you as an inconvenience. People have maybe seen you as an interruption and they've let you know it. And very often when that happens, we feel rejected. We feel despised. We feel hurt because we've opened up. In, we, we've involved people in areas of our lives that we thought that they could help and they've maybe trampled on through, looked at the need and walked on by. But Jesus will never ever see you or I as an inconvenience. Jesus will never ever see our lives as a, you know, as an interruption. The Bible says about Jesus, Isaiah saw it, it says, a bruised reed will I not break? How many times has your life been like a bruised reed, swaying in the winds, swaying in the gales and the storms of circumstance and storms of crises? How many times has my life been like a a bruised reed? And Jesus comes and he takes that bruised reed tenderly and and he says, lovingly, I'll not break it. When life wants to break it, when it wants to break your life, bruise your life, he takes it tenderly in his hand and he will not allow it to be broken. He says, a smoldering flax, a smoldering wick, I will not put out. Maybe, you know, there's just a a small ember of hope alive in your heart this morning. Circumstances buffeted you, people have let you down, life has been hard to you and it's like a smoldering wick. It's almost out. It's smoldering. You're you're at a point where you're giving up. Jesus tenderly comes to that wick. People want to blow it out, count you off, write you off. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. I will not put out a smoldering wick. He will revive it. He will breathe on it until it, 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 he will fan it into flame. Until it burns bright again, your life. That's the kind of care that Jesus offers each one of us. That's the kind of interest to detail that Jesus gives each one of our lives. And when Jesus spoke in his hometown in Nazareth, in the synagogue that day when he stood up and he announced to them all the people that he was going out to meet, he listed all of the people that were going to be an object of his care. He listed all of the individuals, the many masses of individuals that he was going to devote his life to for the next three years. He listed them publicly before a very religious group of people. And they, as we've read, rejected him for it. Luke chapter 4, you can read it. They rejected him for it. They despised him to the point where they grabbed him and they tried to throw him off a cliff. Unbelievable what, what, you know, what compassion in a, in a man's heart will evoke. 
It's unbelievable when a man stands up or a woman stands up and says, I am anointed by the Holy Spirit. I have come in the power of the Holy Spirit to help people, to be compassionate to people. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give good news to the poor. The poor Jesus was talking about were not those who were materially poor. It, he wasn't talking about people that didn't have any money in the bank. He was talking about people like me and you who were doing okay in life but had a very poor picture and poor understanding of God. I had a terrible picture of God when I, when I was a young man. A terrible picture of God. I thought he was out to get me. I thought that he was counting up my sins and totting them all up. And, and he was, you know, waiting around the corner somewhere. And, and when I walked around that corner, he was going to smack me hard. That's a poor understanding. Jesus said, I'm going to those people that have got a really bad, poor picture of my father. And I'm going to preach good news to them. I'm going to tell them good things about my God. The people in the synagogue that Jesus was preaching for, preaching to, and, and, and speaking to that day, they had a very narrow mind when it came to God. They had a very harsh, critical picture of God and they only wanted to ever present a picture of God that was harsh, that was angry, that was aggressive, that was judgmental. And then Jesus turns up and he says, no, 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 my father's not like that. I've got good news to speak to the poor. Good news? You've got to be joking, Jesus. Those people are in that condition because they're sinful, because they've done things that they shouldn't have done. And that's why they're not in here. They wanted to hold on to the past. They wanted to hold on to an old covenant. And yet Jesus was, an, was announcing that he'd come to deliver good news, a new covenant. If they'd have only have realized, he said, I'm going to the poor. I'm going to tell them the great news about my father in heaven. I'm, I'm also going to go to the brokenhearted. Those that have been smashed and broken by life. Those who are trampled underfoot. Have you ever felt under the heel of, of a power that you can't remove from your life? I have. Has, has a circumstance ever come into your life where it's been like a foot on your neck? I, I, I mean, I've had that foot on my neck. Broken-hearted people, broken by life. Jesus said, guys, come on. I, I'm telling you something that should excite you. There's the poor. There's untold numbers of poor people out there. We've got to get beyond our walls. We've got to go beyond our borders. There's untold multitudes outside of this building, this synagogue, that are broken-hearted. Their lives have got a... I've got a, a, the, the foot of an aggressor upon them. We've got to get to them. And he, you know, you can see it. I can see it. I can see Jesus full of excitement. He's ready to go. He said, I, there's, there's people who are captive. They're held at the point of a spear. And we said it was like being, you know, held at gunpoint, at point blank range. Jesus saw all of these people, all of these, all of these people that were suffering. Masses and masses. The world has not changed. People have not changed. 
the needs that they have in Newport and beyond all across this country, all across the globe, my friends, the needs have not changed. There are still people who are poor that have a terrible understanding and picture of God that Jesus wants to bring good news into and change. There are people who are brokenhearted. They're under the heel of an aggressor and, and Jesus wants to go in there and he wants to bring healing and wholeness and he wants to take the foot off their neck and set them free. There are people who are captive and they're held at the, the point of a spear, threatened by fear. Jesus wants to walk in there and deliver the captive through you and me. He said, I want, I want, to, I want to bring recovery of sight to the blind. Recovery of sight to the blind. And the literal picture there is somebody that's been blinded by smoke. Smoke has come into their life like a smoke screen and it's damaged their eyesight, it's damaged their vision and they can't open their eyes. All they see is fear and pain and and difficulty. That's the smoke screen over their lives. Jesus said, I want to get to those people and bring recovery of sight. I want to show them something new. I I want to open their eyes again to all of the wonderful life that I provided. He said, he said this in John 10, 10, you know it. He said, the enemy has come to steal, kill and destroy. He's come to steal. The devil has come to steal, kill and destroy people's lives. But I have come that they might have life and life more abundantly. Life more abundantly. He wanted to take away that, that smoke damaged vision. And he wanted to repair it. He wanted people to come through a recovery process where they could see again. Where they could see beyond their fears and beyond their limitations and beyond the ceiling that, that, that they'd been living under. And he'd, he, he, he wanted to open their eyes to something wonderful and new. Paul said it like this in the book of, of Ephesians. I pray that God would give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened in the knowledge of him. Paul, what was Paul saying? He was saying it in a different way, but meaning the same. He was saying, listen, our eyes, the eyes of our understanding very often get, get damaged by the smoke of life, by the smoke of fear. And we close our eyes and we squint and we struggle to open them because life is like a smoke that damage, damages us. And it comes in and we, and we squint, we squint and we, we, we wonder and we, we wobble around like blind people. Does God love me? Does God want me? Is God judging me? Does God care? And Jesus says, I've come that you might see again. I've come so recovery might be in your life. I've come to recover your eyes so that you can open them wide. And see the beauty. I pray, Paul said, that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened in the knowledge of him. When your eyes begin to look at Jesus. When your eyes see his beauty and his life and everything that he's provided for you. Your whole, your whole experience of life changes. It really does. It really does. And Jesus came to bring recovery. Of sight to those that are blind. 
Are you poor today? Are you poor? Not materially. You may have money in the bank and a nice car, a nice house. Fantastic. We're all for it. Enjoy it. Great. We're not talking about material things. Are you poor in your picture? In that internal picture that you have about God? Well, God doesn't care about me. God doesn't want me. Oh, he wants you. He loves you. The only time that Jesus is homeless is when he's not in your heart, you see. And he doesn't want to be homeless anymore. You may be here this morning and Jesus may have never found a home in your heart. And down through time, he's come to you through various situations and circumstances, invitations from friends. You've seen something on TV or you may have picked a leaflet up or seen a label on a, on, on, on a tin of food, on a cereal box. And he's come to you and he's knocked at your door. He's knocked on the door. Bible says that he knocks on the door of our lives. And then he opens the letterbox in, up. He says, anybody home? Anybody in there? Johnny, can I come in? want to come in John I just want to come in and be your friend Johnny's upstairs pulls his head over, pulls, pulls the covers over his head oh, not today Jesus the house is a mess the furniture's all over the room it's like a bomb's been dropped right in the middle of it all I can't, I can't allow you to come in today Jesus it's too much of a mess Jesus doesn't matter about the mess John just want to come in. Don't even care about tidying it up, John. Anyway, John, I know what the I, I know what it looks like anyway. I'm om, I'm omnipresent, my boy. I'm in there and you don't know it. I can see it all, John. But I'm just waiting for the invitation in. I'm just waiting for you to open the door, John. Please open the door, John. Well, why do you want to come in, Jesus? Because, John, I just want to sit down at the table and just have a meal with you and just have a chat like. And John doesn't open the door because he feels ashamed as to what Jesus might find. So Jesus goes away and thinks, well, do you know what? I'll come back in three months' time. Goes back in three months' time, John's not ready to open the door. A year's time, John's not ready still. What I'm trying to say is this, Jesus will keep knocking the door. He'll keep knocking the door. He could kick the door in, right? And he could come down the chimney, just like Santa Claus. But he doesn't want to invade. He doesn't want to rob the moment where you open the door from your own will, from your own decision. One day John opens the door. Jesus walks in. And he sees the poverty that John's been living in. He sees how the poverty of his heart has decorated each wall and each room. God's not interested. God's ashamed of me. God doesn't want me. 
And then God walks in in the person of Jesus and says, Hey, John, I've got good news to tell you about this old idea that you've had about God that doesn't exist. He loves you, John. And he sits down and he deals with John's poverty. He deals with John's broken heart. He deals with John's captivity. He deals with with the blindness that John has experienced. And he brings newness and life and beauty. And John's home becomes an open home. John's home, the the house of John's heart, because that's what we're talking about, becomes a wonderful place, a glorious place. And that description, that simple illustration has been repeated across this room lots of times. Because we were John, each and every one of us. And Jesus came to us repeatedly, shouted through the letterbox, dressed up as a window cleaner, cleaned the windows. John, it's me. I love you. John draws the curtains. I don't want to see you. I don't want to think about you, Jesus. But Jesus finally comes and he heals and he saves. Jesus, what was he doing on this day with these people in Nazareth? He was making them aware that there were people in great need around them. There were people in, in just facing mass problems. And Jesus just wanted to, to, to evoke a heart of compassion and tenderness for people that they were going to meet. And instead they came back at him. Religious people came back at him. They didn't want anything to do with the message that Jesus was speaking on that day about the people that were outside of their walls. Do you know, it'd be a bit like this. Just imagine having a hospital and everything's in place. Just, just think about the Gwent Hospital. You've got all the equipment there, probably millions of pounds of equipment in that hospital, millions. Then beyond that, you've got all of, you know, the, the, the necessary people in place. You've got the doctors, you've got the nurses, you've got the surgeons, you've got the consultants. You've got a huge team of people in that hospital. You've got stretchers, you've got ambulances, you've got everything to aid and help people that are in need, people that are sick, people that, that have got, you know, problems with their bodies. Everything in the Gwent is there, in place, ready to meet the need. Now just imagine if one day the Gwent locked its doors and people started to bang the doors and say, look, I've got, I'm sick, I'm, I, I've got problems, I've, I need your help. You've got doctors here, you've got nurses here, you've, you, you've got all of the equipment, you've got the heart monitors, you've got, you know, the, the, you've got all of the... The stuff that I need to get healthy and yet you're barring me. You're stopping me entering. You're stopping me, you're stopping me getting the necessary help that I need. Now we can't even imagine that that would ever happen. But the church is like a hospital. Haley said it this morning. It's like a doctor's surgery. 
And this church was like a hospital. The synagogue was supposedly supposed to be a place where people could come. That was God's intention for it. Where people could come with their needs and find their needs met and helped. And yet these people, they had their doctors of the law in place. They knew the scriptures. They had all of the equipment to deal with the people that Jesus was speaking about on this day from Isaiah They had all of the necessary means to meet a hurting world and yet they closed their door and they said, no, we will not attend to the patients that you're bringing light to. We will not attend to the people that have these needs. We would rather our comfort and our complacency over a heart that's burning and full of compassion. We do not want a compassionate heart because a compassionate heart gets you into places and situations that are very outside of what we're comfortable with. A heart of compassion drives you into the multitudes. A heart of compassion gets you down in your knees in the dirt helping prostitutes. Help, it sends you to lepers colonies. It sends you into funerals where mothers have lost their children. It sends you outside of a tomb where a man's been dead for four days and everybody's mourning and it calls that man out. That's a heart of compassion. We do not want a heart of compassion because it's 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 an area that we're not experienced in. It's an area that we're not comfortable with. No, we want our routine. We want our strict religious law. We want to live uh, within our little framework. And we do not want to appeal to the needs of the world that are outside of us. Do you know what? We are. We are a hospital. We really are. Not just in this place, but as we go out and as we move out into the world and into the situations that we are in. There's invitations all around us, all day long, inviting us, calling us in. And because our heart is a heart of compassion, because each one of us has the love of God shed abroad inside us, because of that, Those invitations will never be an interruption, an inconvenience. Those invitations will be an invitation that we recognize to bring God's care and God's help into. Amen. I can ask the musicians to come. I've got a lot more to say on this, but time is not going to permit us this morning. But I just want you to think... Just as we, as we close this morning. You know, selfishness, selfishness will never ever take you into the place where God wants you to be. Jesus spoke in Nazareth to a very selfish church. To a church that was sick in a dying world, a church that was selfish, a church that would not even consider. They they, they were unmoved by the words of Jesus. Jesus said, I'm anointed by the Spirit to bring good news. I mean, what's so bad about that? If you look at what he said, everything that he said was just to, it it was just to say, I want to help people. 
I want to help people. That's what I want to do. In a nutshell, that's what he was saying. And yet, that aroused an anger inside them. Why? Because right at the core of their being, they had not dealt with their selfishness. Jesus says in Philippians 2, you can read it, says he didn't account equality with God, anything to be grasped, but he emptied himself. He emptied himself of all of his divine rights and privileges to be the son of God. And he became a servant. You see, when you, when you and I have dealt with our selfishness and we've said, oh Lord, make me a servant. Make me a servant. I tell you, you don't know where you'll land up. You don't know when you, where you will go. You don't know what's going to happen in the midnight hour, the knocks on the door, the repeated calls. God will direct people to you. And these people had not dealt with their selfishness and because of that, Jesus never was able to do anything among them and he never went back to that place. But Jesus, it says, he was a selfless servant and look what the father did with him. That's all we need to do this morning and for the rest of our time is say, Lord, do you know what? I may not be the most gifted person. I may not be qualified. Fantastic. You're about to get a job if you're saying this. You may not be qualified. You may not have a degree. You may not be experienced. If you've been saying that kind of stuff, you're about to get a job. You're very employable to God. You're high on the employment list of heaven. If you say, I'm a foolish thing, oh my God, it's got even better. It's just got even better. If you say, Lord, who am I? Just like Moses. Oh man, I'm telling you, you're going to see mass miracles. Awesome. What a CV. I can't do it. I'm the chief of sinners, Paul said. Perfect, Paul. Great on the CV before God. I'm the chief of sinners. I'm a foolish thing. I'm despised, rejected by this world. You're already chosen. You've got the job. You've got the job because you have just listed in your heart before God all the attributes that he needs, the attributes of a servant. And you, in the days and the weeks and the months to come, you are going to be amazed at the invitations that come to you. People calling you, people pulling you, people saying, come into my crisis, please, I need help. And you're walking there and suddenly... A corresponding anointing that will overwhelm the need, that will overwhelm the problem, will deal with the crisis, and you'll give all glory to Jesus, to Jesus. That's what he's going to do with all of us, because we are his servants. Let's close our eyes just for a moment. We're nearly finished. Just going to sing just in a moment, but... Do you know, you may be here this morning and, oh, I'd love to pray a prayer with you. If you've never asked Jesus into your heart. Your life is not cheap. Your life 
required a very high price for God to pay, and he paid it gladly. When he gave Jesus his son to die on the cross, your life is valuable. You say, well, I've never heard that before. My dad didn't tell me that. My mum didn't tell me that. Everything about life treats me like a piece of rubbish. I know. I know that. It treats us all like that. But in comes Jesus. Loving, heart, open arms. But you don't know all of the baggage I'm carrying, Dave. I do, because I was carrying it too. I had suitcases, loads of it. Rucksacks, trailers, everything. A right mess. He said, well, what's he going to do when he sees all that? Well, he's going to do the same to you that he did for me. He's going to get rid of it all suddenly. In one moment, he'll set you free. He really will. And it's all in one simple prayer. Oh, Jesus, I believe in you. Save me. Now, I'm going to pray that prayer with you, maybe for the first time this morning. Be like a child. Be like a child and open your heart and pray and mean it. And suddenly Jesus will come into your heart and be with you and in you. Just say this. Our eyes are closed. Say, Jesus, right now, I ask you to be my Savior, to be my Lord. I believe that you died. I believe that you're alive. And I ask you to come into my heart. I open up the door like I would open up the door of my house. And I invite you in now. Amen. Now, while eyes are closed, if you prayed that prayer, I want you to just quickly lift your hand up. We want to give you a little booklet. That's right. There's some hands going up. That's it. Lift your hand up. Don't be afraid. That's it. That's it. Keep your hands up. There may be a few more. Don't be afraid. It's only a decision that you can make. You may be afraid because your friend is next to you. Well, what are they going to say? Listen, it's good to talk to your friends about decisions. Nothing wrong with that. But this is a decision that you need to make. You need to make it. Listen now. Remember my dad preaching. My dad's here this morning. My dad preached in a, in a church in Portugal once. And every week he would plead with a man who would come to the church every week. And he would say, oh, sir, please, tonight is the night. Give your life to Jesus. Don't live another day. Don't live another moment without asking Jesus into your heart. Sir, please. And this one particular night, there was an urgency that my father felt. The man had to make the decision. Please, sir, make the decision. Please, 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 sir. Don't leave this building without asking Jesus into your heart. The man turned to him and laughed in his face. He said, I don't need you, Jesus. My life is secure. My life, it's fine. Everything's fine. Do you know, that man walked out sadly that night and was hit by a car and went from this world into another world. Our prayer is that he received Christ before he went into the next world. But people, I'm telling you now, if you have not asked Jesus into your heart, please lift your hand. Let's not play games with God. 
Let's not play games and think that we can just, you know, take our time and, and live life and not think about him. He's done an incredible amount for us in giving his son. Is there one more you want to ask Jesus into your heart? Amen. Well, people have. And if you prayed that prayer, you want to come and see me, you can do that after the service. Let's stand to our feet. We're going to sing. And then we're going to go. Have you been blessed this morning? Great morning. Come on, let's thank Jesus. Lord, we thank you. We praise you for your presence. Help us, Lord, to recognize the invitations that are calling us every day in Jesus' name. Amen.